0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. i got lots to cover. hope everybody had a great week. Lots to cover and, and uh, really all the, well, basketball basketball, and baseball for sure. And we're going to talk a little bit about football with the uh, news we got uh, with uh, Mr. Magoo. I mean, Bob Bowlesby, uh <laughs> retiring. So um, let's start with really the kind of the big story of the week. Which was Bob Bowlesby announcing that he is leaving as commissioner of the Big Twelve. Um, this is really good news for the Big Twelve. Uh, you know, Bowlsby has not been a very good Big Twelve commissioner. Um, he basically let Texas and Oklahoma run the show, and here we're where we're at now um, with them with them both leaving. Probably the best thing that uh, Bowlesby did as commissioner was he sold the, he helped uh, facilitate the selling of uh, third tier rights, um, sports like base uh, baseball and um, mo- most of your basketball games to ESPN and put them on the ESPN Plus and created um, the Big 12 now on ESPN Plus. That has been a really good I think, deal for, especially for baseball um, and for your basketball teams as well, but baseball specifically, there is not very many Texas Tech baseball games that are not televised um, in the past two years. And beforehand, you know, you'd be lucky to get maybe maybe half of the games televised. So that was a really good thing that he did. Beyond that, it's 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 time for him to go. It is time for a new Big 12 commissioner. And I believe the best person to become Big 12 commissioner is Kirby Hokut. You know, we've talked about this in past podcasts. You know, I felt like that um, Kirby Kirby's next step wouldn't be to become an athletic director at another university. Um, it would be to be a conference commissioner. And I think he, he knows the ins and outs of the Big 12. You know, he played for Kansas State. He's been Texas Tech athletic director for 10 years now. Um, and I think he is the best person to lead the Big 12 into this new future with uh, without Texas and Oklahoma and with the addition of the four new programs. Um, you know, I know there's some people that are freaking out. Well, will that be the end of the athletic department? No. One of the things that Kirby has done a really good job at is hiring people within the athletic department. And, um, you know, any of those associate athletic directors I think would make really good athletic directors. In addition, if, if tech chooses to hire from the outside, you will get the quality of the qualities of athletic directors. Um, tech has proven that they pay very well. Um, you're you're coming into a very good situation, you know. Your basketball is set up, obviously. Baseball is set up, and you know we've just made a football hire, so you would not have to um, potentially make a football hire for at least three years. I I think finally Kirby hit Pater by the way on football with, with McGuire. Um, you know you've got faci- You've got the best basketball practice facility you've just uh, been uh, given an, uh, like a forty 40, $40 million dollar investment in a new football training center and new renovation on the south side of the end zone so a lot of your facilities are not going to need uh, massive renovation anytime soon. so if you're I mean if you're an athletic director at another university, uh, Texas Tech's got a lot of appeal so I, I think they'll be fine. As far as as bringing in someone, I, I personally, I I think there's a lot of internal candidates that you could bring in. Tony Hernandez, I think, would be a great um, athletic director. He's done quite a bit. Um, you know, he was very, uh, he was kind of the lead on the on the building of the Womble practice facility. You've got, you know, I think Geo would make a very good um, athletic director as well. And so, um, but. I, that's my preference. Is Kirby is elevated to become the new Big 12 commissioner, and then you um, you hire from within. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. It sounds like that the Big 12 is going to move very quickly on making a decision on who the uh, next commissioner is going to be. Probably the other name that's uh, going to be up there is Oliver Luck, and I'd be I'd I'd be fine with Oliver Luck. Um, I prefer Kirby. You know, I, I think I think he's got the, the the tools. I think he's got more of the tools necessary um, to really lead this conference as 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 we face uh, Texas and Oklahoma Oklahomaless uh, conference status. Which, by the way, the Big Twelve is in a very good position even without Texas and Oklahoma. I, I think they're they're certainly in a better position than um, the Pac twelve is. Um, you know, I, I think the Pac twelve is on life support. And, you know, within, within three, four years, I think you will see a similar situation like we saw this last summer with Texas and Oklahoma, and I think you, you see USC and, and um, Oregon bolting for potentially the Big Ten, also potentially the FCC, because I, I still think the FCC, their ultimate plan is to build a college football version of the NFL, and they're gonna they're gonna pick the best uh, best teams that they can. So um, so it'll be interesting to see. But like I said, I think Kirby is gonna be the uh, could be a great Big Twelve commissioner. And here's the here's here's the thing. I think it's gonna be his job to turn down because uh, Dr. Skuvenek, the president of Texas Tech, is chairman of the board looking for a new commissioner in the Big Twelve. So um, be interesting to watch and see what happens there. So Tech Basketball did get some news this week. We, we had uh, some good and some bad. Um, uh, the, and really the bad is not that bad because I think it was it was really expected. Um, Shannon is not coming back. Um, he made that very clear. I believe it was on Thursday of this week. It might have been Wednesday. Um, does not surprise me at all. I, I think it was trending towards Shannon not coming back no matter what. Um, you know, I, again... Most of the fans were supportive. there were a couple knuckleheads that weren't, and you know whatever on those but i you know I think it's best for him and probably best for the tech basketball program um that he doesn't he doesn't come back um i still and it's not a it's not a shot at his talent, but there was just a lot of outside chatter all season long, and i you know I think he deserves uh probably a fresh opportunity and I think he's gonna get that at Illinois. And you know, I do wish him the best. He's he was here for three years and you could you could certainly tell pretty much this entire season he was playing in a lot of pain and he played really, really well in many of those games this year. So haven't uh haven't really heard uh from McColler or O'Banner yet. Those are uh, two other Decisions that uh, you know. Obviously, McCollar right now is testing the draft waters. Does he come back? I don't know. i I. I think he's more likely to come back than Shannon, but I could also see a scenario where he's you know he's been here for three years, and maybe you know he wants to to get a an, uh, another opportunity to do this somewhere else. You know, Banner. I don't. I don't see him. You know, getting into the NBA, so his decision is going to have to be: does he does he want to come back another year, or does he you know want to try his opportunities at playing overseas? So, be interested to see what happens with that. Um, Tech did get some news today; they got a commitment from the transfer portal, and pretty good. Uh, sounds like a pretty good uh, player. Hold on, I'm behind the scenes of the Chris Carpenter Show. I'm looking up his information. So it's a... Uh, and I, I may or may not be pronouncing this right, uh, but Damarian Williams, he is coming in from Gardner-Webb. And he was six 6'5", 40% from three. Sounds like he's a really good defender and should be a good addition to next year's team. And, I, I you know, again... Adams and and staff, they're bringing in, you know, they're bringing in a player from a smaller program, a big fish in a little pond, and, you know, that model worked really well last year. You know, you brought in players like Bryson Williams and Davion Warren and Adonis Arms, you know, these players from, uh, that were big fish in smaller programs, and you were able to bring them in, and, I mean, we saw what happened, so... You know, Tech's going to be fine. Tech is—I think Tech certainly is a very, uh, very uh, attractive destination to many college basketball players in the transfer portal. And you know, it's—it sounds like they're going to get an official visit from uh, the player from Utah Valley. And then there's also another player from Indiana State that all—all all indications are that Tech is number one on his list, potentially. So. You know, stay tuned, but, I, you know, I think Adams and company are going to, you know, bring in some quality players. And I know, it, you know, this is a different college basketball world than we're, you know, we're used to. You know, we just, we need to understand that players very, very, very rarely are going to stay all four years anymore. And so you're going to have to, you're going to have to have a coaching staff that is skilled at utilizing the transfer portal and bringing in players every year in addition to re-recruiting your current uh, crop of players and recruiting high schoolers. So, you know, there's a lot of spinning plates for a college basketball staff uh, nowadays. But, you know, Mark Adams and his his staff did a great job last year bringing in the players they brought in, and I I think they're going to do a a great job this year bringing in some high-quality players. And you'll see Tech again in the conversation Um, You know, once NCAA tournament rolls around next year. So, so let's talk a little bit about Texas Tech baseball and, you know, they have officially won the series this weekend again against Kansas State or, you know, really romped them today 14 to nothing. You know, yesterday was kind of an interesting game. You know, they were uh, down three to one and, and Kansas State starter was, he was, he was throwing really, really solid heat and tech was struggling and then k state's coach takes him out and i know the uh, apparently the the starter is on a shorter bit of a pitch count than most starters but you know whew, that that was a i think a rough decision for k state tech was able to take advantage and they end up winning 5 to 3 yesterday um you know this this these are two good wins especially you know, after having a three-game losing streak, you know, you, you lost last Sunday's game, and I'll we'll talk a little bit more about tomorrow's game here in a minute, and then you went to Grand Canyon, which Grand Canyon, you know, a lot of, there were some Tech fans freaking out about that game, but, you know, Grand Canyon, you know, you look at the RPI, they they would be a mid, you know, middle-of-the-road, mid-level, Big 12 team, so, you know, Grand Canyon is no slouch, and, you know, you. The first game, you, you really kind of got let it get away from you. Which, by the way, I was watching that game, and someone needs to pay for Grand Canyon to have better stadium lights because, wow, <laughs> I can only imagine playing because it looked like it was dark on TV. I'm sure it was even worse on the field. So, you know, Grand Canyon, pay for some new stadium lights. Um, and then you had the game on Wednesday, and, and they they came very close to coming back and, you know, just, you know, our player got thrown out at second to end the game. And, you know, again, you know, there were tech fans freaking out, weeping and gnashing of teeth that it's over, you know, Tadlock's lost his touch. Um, But, you know, I think they'll be fine. You know, this, like I said, there's, there, there are some issues on this team and, you know, we've seen, we have seen this team go through innings, uh, multiple innings of droughts, scoring droughts, hitting droughts, that's troublesome. Um, I think it's I think one of the biggest biggest weaknesses that they have is they they need a third a solid third starter. And we've seen that the last several weeks with the Sunday game and it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow. Uh, Chase Hampton's gonna be on the mound this week, but you know they have not won a Sunday game in a series since I believe the Merrimack series. Um, they lost to Iowa. Actually, I take that back, not the Mary Mack series. Um, it was Rice. Um, but, you know, they lost to Iowa on Sunday. They lost to UT on Sunday. Lost to Kansas last Sunday. Um, hopefully, fourth time is not a charm. Hopefully, they they, they can uh, figure it out. But, you know, you've, you've got to have more than two solid starting pitchers to, to go very far in the NCAA tournament. And they do have two solid pitchers. I mean, Andrew Morris has been pitching lights out last several weeks. And then, yeah, Bert's, Bert's soul is just, I mean, he's your ace. And so y- you've got to find that third pitcher that can that can go far as a starter, and then you've got to have a little bit better performance from your relief staff, you know, moving forward as well. Um, I said it last week in, in, the, in the listener question about, you know, what do I feel like is a successful season for Tech? I think Tech has the pieces to get to Omaha. The biggest question mark is going to be uh, the pitching. Do you have, because you have to have a, a good multitude of pitchers. You know, you look at the, uh, teams like Vanderbilt that have won the national championships, you have to have good pitching beyond just two aces. And then that's good to have those two aces because that, that, that helps you in a super regional um, but I, you know I, I think tech may be in a situation and they it, very similar to last year where your pitching staff is built better for a super regional than a regional. Um, you've got to be prepared in a regional to, to go three, four games. you know tech, tech was uh, has been fortunate last several times. They've been in that position. They've they've been able to get out of there with you know winning, just winning three games and, and not having to extend any further. Um, but you know you've got to have that solid number three pitcher, and so it'll be interesting to see. You know Chase Hampton, um, he hasn't gotten the start several weeks. Um, I think he, my understanding, I think he's had some illnesses, uh, but you know, that's going to be something that Tech's got to have is 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 a solid. Number three. And I'm not I mean, you know, they don't necessarily have to be an ace like Birdsall or pitch lights out consistently like Andrew Morris, but you gotta have a pitcher that can gobble up innings. That day, you know, that third pitcher that can gobble up innings and then you're not having to fully rely on four or five relievers, you know, in that Sunday game. So but, you know, this is a this is a good this is a good series to get, right? You know, Kansas State not very good but kansas wasn't very good either and you know you had your you had your lights out saturday where you get you know scored 28 runs and then you lost sunday let's hope history's not going to repeat itself uh tomorrow at, at dan law field so all right we are going to go ahead and take the break and then when we come back um i will get to some listener questions And welcome back to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. It's now time for listener questions. And again, if you would like to send me any um, listener questions, I usually tweet out um, a few hours before I record on the official Twitter. So make sure you follow the official Twitter of the Chris Carpenter Show, which is at The C Carp Show. And you can either reply to the tweet or you can DM me. And I will get to those questions. And you can send me sports-related questions. You can send me non-sports-related, which we have some of those today. And I will answer them. So let's go ahead and get to our questions. All right, we've got Steve from Lubbock wants to know, since Tech Baseball recruits so well... He actually has two questions. We'll, we'll take them in pieces. Since Tech Baseball recruits so well... Are there talented players who never get to see the field and end up transferring, like, like basketball? And yes, I would, I would say yes, there is. Um, you know, that's it at, with tech that, that and that's been a and it's a. I don't want to say it's a good problem to have, but that is that has been something that has, I believe, happened certainly um, the past few years since uh, Tadlock was really able to get this. Um, get this going is you've had some really talented freshmen come in and you know some of them weren't able to get some playing time you know Max Marshock I think is a good example of that uh, Max Marshock extremely talented player from out of Amarillo and you know he he was here for two years and really wasn't didn't see the field a whole lot and then um, he's now he's transferred I think to Louisiana Lafayette, and so yeah, I think that does happen. I think it also happens with other programs. You know, Tech is uh, Tech baseball, not as much as basketball, but Tech baseball has been a beneficiary of the transfer portal as well. You know, you've got uh, Ty Coleman this year uh, that came from A and M, and and um, the the player's name escapes me. I apologize, but you know, Tech was able to get a player from the University of Texas to come in. You know, you had. The oh gosh, and my mind went blank again. But you had the guy that uh, came in, Micah Dallas. You had Micah Dallas that came in from Arkansas. Um, Unfortunately, he transferred out to A and M this year. But yeah, I think certainly you know that that does happen um, with the transfer portal in baseball as well. And really, probably if you go back and look, baseball was really where the transfer portal started to heat up. Even before basketball um, did, but yeah, I, I definitely think you, you see that with Texas Tech uh, certainly, and so. But but again, I think Tech has, has utilized the transfer portal pretty effectively as well, and have have been able to bring in some quality um, players through it as well. The second part of Steve from Lubbock's Lu- Steve from Lubbock's question is: and do lower quality teams like Kansas and Kansas State? Ever start their best pitcher on Sunday instead of Friday to try to steal a win against the stronger team's third best pitcher? I'm sure they do. Um, you know, I think it depends on the situation. You know, I think there are teams that probably start their best pitcher on Friday sometimes uh, because they feel like, hey, you know, let's get one win out of it, and then you gotta you got you know got two shots to get that series win. You know, Tech um, under Tablock seems to. Go the route of having their their number one pitcher start on Saturdays. You, know, you had several years ago when you had Caleb Killian here. Uh, Micah Dallas would usually start Saturdays, and then certainly Bert Saul, I think he is the ace for this Texas Tech pitching staff. Um, he starts on Saturday. Um, I I get why they do that because I think you you know Saturday tends to be you know if you're down 0-1, you're you're on the ropes there. Um, but if you're up 1-0, you've got the opportunity to take care of winning that series with one game remaining. And I think it's worked out well for Tech to have their ace start on Saturday. And I've seen, seen both scenarios with Tech where they've lost on Friday, they come back on Saturday, and then they're able to get the win Sunday. Um, but, but then also certainly the last few weeks, they win on Friday, get the win on Saturday. So they, they're going into Sunday's matchup with a 2-0 series win. I think teams that start their ace on Sunday um, they better have a a strong number 2 because if you don't, then you could very easily be going into a Sunday's matchup 02 and yeah, you got your ace and you might win, but you know, in college baseball it's all about winning series. Um, and there's been some deba- debate on several radio shows I've listened, listened to last couple weeks, several podcasts, about that the way you win the Big 12 is you have to get sweeps, not just series wins. I don't know. Um, I think there's certainly different routes to winning the Big 12. I think Tech uh, Tech is in a good position right now. Even though they've not swept the two Big Twelve series they've had, they got an opportunity tomorrow to sweep one. But you know the fact that they they played uh, Texas early and they got the series win. I think Texas is probably um, up there as far as as best teams of the Big Twelve. I think the fact Tech was able to get that series win so early in the Big Twelve season was a big benefit. Yes, you still got two other solid conference opponents, and you got to go play them on the road in TCU and Oklahoma State. But I think at the end of the day, getting two out of three versus getting a sweep of Texas, it still benefited you. So I, I don't think a lot of teams like Kansas and Kansas State really uh, do that where they pitch the ace on Sunday because most of the time, and I'm, I'm trying not to bash Kansas and Kansas State, but most of the time you don't have a solid number two that you feel like you can rely on to get you know that Friday Saturday win. So, but when the when the tournament starts, that all kind of goes out the window, and you know just it's all situational. But yeah, I and I and I like how Tadlock starts the Ace on Saturday. So, good questions. Um, we've got Fred from Guthrie. Um, he asked, "Overall, has the portal helped or hurt NCAA basketball?" I think it depends. This is uh, this could probably come off as a cop out answer, but I think it depends on the university. If you're one of the big Power Five conference teams like Tech, I think it's helped you um, because you're able you're able to get players. I think a a higher quality player. You could get those four or five stars that maybe. You couldn't recruit them for whatever reason as freshmen to Lubbock, but you could bring them in, you know, as juniors, seniors, grad transfers to come play for you. You also, I think if you're a power five team, you're also able to maybe players that they weren't developmentally ready as freshmen to play in a Power Five conference, you're able to get those players when they're juniors, seniors, grad transfers. You know, Kevin O'Banner, was he on anybody's radar as a freshman? Um, I, I'd i have to go look it up, but I would say probably not. You know, was was Adonis Arms on anybody's radar? You know, Bryson Williams, I you know, he certainly, and then this is coming from someone that, follows UTEP basketball, being from El Paso, he was on the radar. I mean, he was on people's radar. Um, He was supposed to go to Fresno State. He followed Rodney Terry um, to UTEP, and, and, you know, there were high expectations of him. But again, you know, was he getting offers from those Power 5 teams? I think the group that the transfer portal hurts the most is your mid-major conference teams because every year – it seems like if you're in a mid-major conference, you're having to rebuild the team every year via the portal, via, um, you know, bringing in junior college recruits. And you're, you're having a higher amount of turnover in the mid-majors and maybe not as much ability to reload as, as say, a Texas Tech can. Um, but I would also add this if you're a mid-major team. You've got, I think, opportunities through the transfer portal to, portal to bring in players that are from Power Five conference teams, whether it be as a grad transfer or maybe, you know, it was a player that couldn't get off the bench, but they can, they can you know, be a 20, 30, 40-minute player on a mid-major team, and they're, they're still very talented. So I would say overall I think the transfer portal – it helps college basketball, and I think it helps even out things. Um, do I like it? It's, I don't know if I necessarily like it because, you know, I grew up in an era of college basketball where you 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 know you had players four years that would stay. You're you don't have that anymore. I like it better than the one and done stuff. Um, I don't. I'm. I'm less of a fan of one and done than I am of transfer portal. You know, and and my feeling is the stigma about transferring is is transferring is 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 not no longer there because, you know, used to if a player was seeking a transfer even 10 years ago, if a player was transferring out, you know, there was this attitude of, oh, well, they're just a quitter. They're disgruntled, good riddance. I don't think that's that's there anymore. You you know, you certainly probably do have players like that. But, you know, I, I think if a coach can leave, I think players should have the right to leave without having to, to sit out um, a year. They, they should get at least get one shot to transfer. So um, it's, it's a different world, and I think certainly some of your older school coaches are having a harder time working in that different world. I think part of the reason, certainly I think the reason Royal Williams left – but also part of the reason Coach K left, um, retired when he did, was because of the transfer portal. Um, but it, this is the, this is the world of college basketball that we're in. It's not going to go away, and you know, Texas Tech's been very effective at utilizing the transfer portal. And kudos to kudos to Tech, kudos to Adams and his staff. So, all right, good question. Next question: We've got Miles from New Bronzeville, home of the unicorns, and Cliff Kingsbury. Is the Will Smith incident and the lack of outrage more evidence that most people don't care about the Oscars anymore? Yeah, I guess. Um, maybe it says something about our culture too. I don't know that. You know, we just were so desensitized to those types of behavior. Um, you know, I, I think award shows as a whole, the ratings aren't what they used to be. Um, the Oscars, I think has suffered more than others. And I think one of the reasons that the Oscars has suffered more than others is because of the politicizing that they do more, it seems more, at the Oscars than any other award show. And, you know, I think Michael Jordan said it best when he said, Republicans buy sneakers too. You know, no matter what your political affiliation is, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, um, you know, you start to talk politics and you politicize at your award show you're alienating half the country um, And I think I think the Hollywood actors don't think that don't believe that half the country disagrees with them. I think in their mindset, oh well everybody agrees with us because we're right. No. Um, we are a 50 I think most most of the time we're a 5050 country liberal versus conservative. And that's why you've seen probably the past 30 years, the presidency has alternated Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat. Um, You haven't had this solid run of one party over the other. And, um, you know, we've been in a period of time last two years where the Democrat parties uh, dominated everything in Washington, D.C., and I think that's coming to an end. I think the, this fall you will see Republicans at least take the House. Most likely I think you see them take the Senate um, because I think most Americans prefer a split style of government, um, you know, so I think I think the Oscars are just more and more irrelevant. And I think part of it too with the Oscars is the movies that are re- re- rewarded with you know the best picture, best actor. A lot of them are not their mainstream movies. Um, you know, I've I've never seen Coda. I don't really know if I would want to see Coda. Um, you know, what was the movie that won last year? I don't even remember. Oh, I actually I do because I, I actually did see last year's No Madland. I saw it, but it was not. I mean, it's not a mainstream type of movie. You know, and and I think your average American movie goer, the movies that bring Americans out to the theater are the big blockbusters that they're never going to get the big, um, Academy Awards. So, um, I think that's more, more of it. You know, by the way, with the Will Smith thing, I think, I think the punishment was he's banned from the Oscars for 10 years, but he could still get nominated and, and rewarded. So he doesn't have to go for 10 years. I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of worn out by the story I, I think you know it, you know it, it is what it is and by the way, here's another pet peeve of, of mine. I'm really sick and tired of anytime we have an incident like this or something else, we always have this we have to have a national conversation. Why do we always have to have a national conversation about every little incident sometimes, Bad incidences happen. People act like fools. We're human beings. We don't have to have a national conversation every time a human being makes a donkey out of themselves. So that's just a pet peeve of mine. All right. Next question. We've got two more questions. We've got Charlotte from Denver City. Maybe it's Charlotte Flair. Who knows? Um, rank the major video game companies, Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony. So this is definitely my opinion. And from the from the outset, just just let you know, I'm not a gamer by any stretch of the imagination. So just understand that when I rank them. Uh, I would say number three is Xbox. I've never owned an Xbox, and I've never desired to own an Xbox. So... That would be my number three. Number two, I would put Sony. So number three would be Microsoft. Number two would be Sony's so the PlayStations. I have owned, I own, I own a PlayStation 3 right now, but I have never used it for any sort of gaming. Um, I use, I've used it to watch Blu-rays. When I first got Netflix, that was how I was able to stream on Netflix before I got my Roku hooked up um so I would be number two and then number one to me for me it would be Nintendo and again I'm not a gamer so I am probably someone that's not the best to ask that but I I like Nintendo I like the Mario games I like a lot of you know the Donkey Kong games things like that you know I think the Wii is a very super you super easy super user-friendly um gaming system and you know I I talked about this on one of my tips of the week, um, several weeks ago about, you know, you can get exercise using your Wii. So I would say Nintendo's number one. So, all right, one last question and we've got Paisley. Could it be Brad Paisley? Could it be Paisley from, you know, also known as Charmel from WCW? Who knows? But Paisley from quana what are your top three cartoon series from the 1980s. All right, interesting question. So, top 3 cartoon series from the 80s. I would say number 1 is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That one was really really good. I had I had a lot of the toys. I even had the van. Um, yeah. By the way, toy best toy making company is Playmates by a million miles. I still have all my old Star Trek figures from Playmates, and 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 they have the contract again, and they're coming out with new Star Trek uh, toys from Playmates, so including a con action figure. So, um, but I would say number one is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number two would be the Ghostbusters. Um, loved the Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters uh, show. Um, I, you know, do, 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 Ghostbusters, <laughs> so those two for sure would be my, uh, one and two. This is where it gets a little tricky. Cause I never was into He-Man, um, GI Joe. Yeah, they were good. They were, you know, they were fine. Transformers. They were another one. Eh, they were fine, I guess. Um, number three. I'm going to go with one and I don't know if everybody's heard of it but the show Silver Hawks. Silver Hawks. I remember the theme song Silver Hawks do 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 do. So, I would go with Silver Hawks number 3 and if you don't know about Silver Hawks, I'm sure you can find stuff on YouTube with Silver Hawks. So, yeah, number 1 uh, Ninja Turtles, number 2 the real Ghostbusters, and the number three, Silverhawks. So, um, good questions. And again, um, hold on, somebody is, oh, whoop, I missed a question. Um, Sorry, Olivia, is this Olivia Benson? Is it Olivia Newton-John? I don't know, but this is Olivia from Portalis asks, would 2019 Tech Basketball have won the 2022 NCAA Tournament? I think I think they would have. I really do. Um, let's I mean, let's run it back this scenario if tech the twenty nineteen tech basketball team was in the same bracket as twenty twenty two tech basketball team. I think they beat Duke. Um, I think they beat Arkansas. I think they would have beaten North Carolina. Um, you know, and I think North Carolina, North Carolina was, I think, certainly under Um, they, they didn't look, they didn't belong as an eight seed. They were certainly should have been seated higher, but I, I think, you know, North North Carolina was talented, but I, I think they, they really were able to play out of their minds against Duke, um. They really probably should have lost to Baylor. You know, I think if Baylor had had an extra few minutes, Baylor would have beaten them in the second round. Um, but yeah, I think the 2019 Tech team would have beaten North Carolina. That would have been a fun final, Tech and Kansas. Um, but I think that Tech team was probably more talented. Than the Kansas team that won, you know, this was not one of Bill Self's more talented teams, which is really amazing if you think about it. Um, you know, I, th- I think I, th- I think first of all, the 2020 team was probably more talented. They probably would have won the national championship if not for uh, COVID cancellation. Um, I think, you know, they're, the 2012 team that went to the finals was probably more talented than this team. You know, I, Bill Self, I think, had more talented Kansas teams but you know they were able to fu- they were they were able to uh, break through and win so but i maybe it's bias of me talking but i think the 2019 tech team could have beaten uh kansas and would have won the 2022 na- uh, national championship um now if it had come down to a if it had come down to a three-point shot at the end would beard have fouled this time i hope so <laughs> So, good questions all around, really, really good questions, and again, if you want me to answer your listener question, best way you can do that is to follow the official Twitter of the Chris Carpenter Show, which is at The C-Carp Show, and I will I will answer most questions. Uh, obviously, as you can tell, even non-sports related questions. So, alright, we're going to go ahead and take the break, and when we come back, we will have the Chris Carpenter Tip of the week. It is now time for the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. And my tip of the week is going to go out to my fellow teachers and any students that are listening, because we are, we are now entering into the state testing season here in Texas. Um, we take the star in Texas, and I don't want to get into the politics of, Let's get rid of the test. Should we take tests? All that I'm not going to get into it. Um, find another podcast if you want to get into that. Um, but I I, I want to just send a message of encouragement to both groups. So teachers, listen first. No matter how well your students do on these state tests, that test is not an indication of how well, of how quality of a teacher you really are. Understand that, okay? Um, You may hear different things. You may hear outside noise from other groups of people, but a good teacher is not defined by whether or not their students do well on a test, okay? And then the students, your ability to do well on that test doesn't define whether or not you're smart or not and whether or not you're successful or not, okay? Yes, it measures something, but it's one thing. And just understand that. So that is my Chris Carpenter tip of the week. I will see y'all next week. Um, I, w- I do plan on recording next Saturday. Um, it'll be Holy Saturday since we'll be in the Easter season. And, um, yeah, so I hope everybody has a good week. And I will see you next week on The Chris Carpenter Show.